Gordon Dalby wrote, Men do not know who they are as men. They tend to define themselves by what they do, who they know, or what they own. I found that interesting. The, the book that I found that quote in was written by Ronnie Floyd, a pastor in Arkansas, and he likened those three things to three dead-end roads that men go to find significance and importance. Dead-end road number one is what you do. This often happens when two men meet one another, and naturally one of the very first questions that is asked is, so what do you do? Well, I do thus and so. What do you do? And if we're not careful, men can get so wrapped up in what they do that their vocation, their job becomes more than just a job. It becomes literally who they are as a person. The problem is that can never fully satisfy you because what happens when you're no longer able to do that particular job, that particular vocation, that particular position? I struggle with this greatly in my own life when I left the pastorate I was in before in another part of North Carolina and I went to work for BBN and I've been pastoring at that point a little over six years and Sunday would roll around and I wasn't pastoring. So I would go to church and I would sit in the pew and it was a great struggle for me to sit in the pew because I was so used to being a pastor. I was so used to being up preaching and being involved in leadership. And now I was visiting from church to church, seeking to find somewhere that my family and I could worship the Lord in a church setting. It was a great struggle for me. But it was also, I think, a great blessing in many regards because I feel like now I can understand far greater uh, some of the struggles that people go through in working and serving in church. I realize I'll not always be a pastor because one day I'm going to die. Uh, I understand that uh, Fincher was telling me some time ago that Akela uh, and he were over in the fellowship hall and she noticed all those pictures of the men up on the walls. And she asked Fincher about, you know, who are these fellows up on the wall? And Fincher says, well, that's, you know, the pastors that used to pastor Red Hill. And Akela asked Fincher, she said, when preacher Rodney dies, you're going to put his picture up on the wall. <laughs> Now, I think they're traveling, but to answer Kayla's question, yes, you are. A big one. With lights. You're going to dust it often. But we realize that our life has to be more than what we do. Who are we outside of what we do? Another dead-end road is who you know. And this is where the name-dropping game begins. In other words, even in casual conversation, a man finds a way to interject who he knows. Well, I know so-and-so, and I'm friends with so-and-so, and and I I golf with so-and-so. But in reality, this does not satisfy. In reality, this probably just makes the man wish that he was really somebody important, so he wouldn't have to drop names. And then some men, well, they're the men that people are dropping their names. And guess what? They found out that that doesn't satisfy as well. So we have dead end road number one, what you do. We have dead end road number two, who you know. Then we have dead end road number three, what you own. This is a big one today. Men try to find their significance in what they purchase and what they own and what they buy. And men love to show off 
their possessions. So that man's life really becomes consumed with stuff. Stuff, stuff and more stuff and bigger stuff and shinier stuff and newer stuff or rarer stuff or more valuable stuff. But all of us should have learned the lesson already. But sad to say, it seems we haven't. That stuff doesn't satisfy. Why? Because the newness wears off. Stuff breaks. Stuff gets old. Stuff ends up where? At the yard sale or down at the dump. Stuff does not satisfy. So we have three dead end roads. What you do, who you know, what you own. So the question is, is there an answer? Or are we just destined to go through life without satisfaction, without fulfillment? Or even knowing really who we are as men? Well, I've got great news. We don't have to do that. We don't have to go through life frustrated and unfulfilled and, and unsatisfied. And I've got a man in mind I want us to study today. And he's a man who had everything that men strive and struggle for today. He had position. He had power. He had wealth. He had stuff that you and I probably couldn't even imagine. He had it made. He was a somebody. But his life came to a fork in the road where he had to make a choice. And thankfully, this man made the right choice. And because he made the right choice, probably everyone here today, you know his story. You know his name. And I want you to look at him with me today. Turn to the Hall of Faith, if you will, in Hebrews chapter 11. The Hall of Faith. And I want you to look at this man with me. We'll begin reading at verse 23. We're reading about a man named Moses. A man named Moses. The great leader. Moses. Hebrews chapter 11. And we'll begin reading at verses 20, uh, verse 23 and read down through verse 29. Hebrews 11, verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. And they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do, were drowned. Listen, beloved, Moses' life was a life of faith. It began with the faith of his parents when they would not kill him as Pharaoh had commanded. And then we read in this passage that Moses himself, he chose a life of faith. Now, how did Moses choose such a life? How did he become such a man of faith? How did his life turn out to be used so mightily of the Lord? How did he become the great leader that he was? Well, this passage tells us. Now, listen, men, I believe you want your life to really count. I believe you want your life to really make an impact, to really make a difference. You don't want to just abide and exist for 70 or 80 or 9 or even 100 years. You want to impact eternity. You want to be a great man. You want to be a great husband, a great dad, a great friend. Well, that all starts, beloved, with knowing and meeting the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It starts with recognizing you're a sinner, recognizing you cannot save yourself, and recognizing that Jesus Christ died in your place. Where you turn from your sin to Christ, you call out to Him in repentance and ask Him to be your Savior. And listen, gentlemen, you can do that today. You can settle that this morning. You can leave here today knowing that your sin is forgiven. Heaven is your home and Jesus Christ is your Savior. And if you've never done that, I want to encourage you. God's working in your heart today. Call out to him in faith today and he will save you. Now, that's the starting point. And when that's settled, it's time now to grow in grace. It's time to grow in maturity in Christ. We grow in various ways. We grow by reading and studying the Bible. We grow by praying, going to Sunday school, church, witnessing so many areas in our Christian life where we grow in maturity. We're to always be growing. None of us have arrived. None of us have got to the point. So, well, you know, I'm done. I'm complete. No, you're not. I'm not. You're not. We're all growing and maturing, or at least we're supposed to be. But for those of us who have Christ as Savior and Lord, How do we really live for Christ? I think Moses' life shows us how. Looking at this passage, I believe we see, first of all, there are some things we have to refuse. There are some things we have to refuse. If you remember, Moses was not born into Pharaoh's house. He was plucked from the river by Pharaoh's daughter after Moses' parents acted in faith. It says there in verse 23, by not killing him. They wouldn't kill their son. They wouldn't kill him. And so they put him there and we know that he's plucked from the river. He was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter. And with that came position and power and pleasure. And imagine the wealth of being a son of Pharaoh's daughter. Think about all that was lying at Moses' feet. He had it made in the shade. He was somebody. And you know what? Some believe he could have even been in line for the throne. We don't know for sure, but some believe that he could have been. And it says in this passage that he refused all of this. He walked away from it. He said no to that life. Now, why was that necessary? Why was it important that he do that? I like the way McIntyre said it. He said, Moses realized one great truth. He could not be a friend of Pharaoh and dwell in his court and at the same time be the friend of the children of Israel and dwell in their tents. Egypt and Israel were irreconcilable. Moses understood that life is not about position and power and prestige and pleasure and comforts and crowns and treasure. He understood that life is not about who you know and whose name you can drop or what you do or what you own. He understood that life is about the Lord Jesus Christ. Life is about God. Life is about serving God and honoring God and glorifying God and not self. And just like Moses, if we're going to truly live our life for the Lord, there's some things we're going to have to refuse. We're going to have to refuse to live for this world and the things of this world. Life is not about how much stuff we can get, how much money we can pile up, how many celebrities we know. Life is not about acquiring more and more. Life is about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Life is about knowing him and making him known, living for him and worshiping him and serving him. And you know what? 
because all of us are limited by time, there are some things that we have to refuse. There are some things we have to say no to. We cannot do everything. Man, you want to take a load of stress off yourself. Just recognize that eventually recognize that finally I cannot do everything. I've got to make some choices. I've got to refuse some things. I've got to say no to some things. I've got to say yes to other things. And listen, this refusal of certain things, they're not always evil things. They're not always sinful things, even. Many times we have to say no to the good so we can say yes to the best. Did you hear that? Many times we have to say no to the good so we can say yes to the best. Think about your schedule. Think about your schedule. I doubt very seriously you're out robbing banks and robbing cars and all that kind of stuff. You're probably doing many good things and many wonderful things. But you realize that you're limited in your time. And there are certain things that may need to go so you can make room for Jesus Christ in your life. Room for prayer, room for Bible study, room for worship. Your priorities. There are some things we have to refuse. Moses refused several things. Here, look at verse 24. By faith, Moses refused, or when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. And all that went with that. Look at this, verse 25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. He refused the pleasures of sin for a season. And then notice verse 26, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt. In other words, he refused the treasures of Egypt. He refused these things. He said no to these things. If you and I are going to live our lives for Christ, there are certain things we're going to have to refuse. We're going to have to say no to. But also... There are some things we're going to have to choose. Some things we're going to have to choose. And notice what he chose there. It says in verse 25, he chose to suffer affliction with the people of God. And verse 26 says he chose the reproach of Christ. In other words, Moses chose hardship and suffering over pleasure and comfort. He could have it pretty easy. He could have a comfortable experience. He could have lived the American dream before there even was an American dream. He could have had it made. He could have lived what Patrick Morley calls the beautiful, wrinkle-free life. What the Madison Avenue advertisers portray to us as the ideal life. Have it all. Own it all. Do it all. You can't, friend. Moses says, you know what? I choose God. I choose God's people. And I choose everything that comes with that. Hardship, reproach, suffering, I take it all. You know how he made that choice? He made that choice by faith. Conscious choice by faith. You look at Moses' life, it was filled with some hardship, wasn't it? Just the complaining he had to deal with from the children of Israel was enough to break any one of us, wasn't it? He says, I refuse these things. I choose these things. But listen, there's also some things we're going to have to remember. We're going to have to remember some things. Look at verse 25. Let's see exactly how this all played out in Moses' life. How did he choose these things? How did it work? Look at verse 25. It says, choosing rather 
to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Here's what we need to remember. We need to remember that sin is pleasurable, but only for a short time. Sin is pleasurable, but only for a short time. Listen, I'll be straight with you. Sin is pleasurable. If it were not so, we would not be tempted to do it. If it was just terrible and awful, just, you know, all the way through. No, it's pleasurable for a season, a short season, a short while. You see, our enemy does a good job, or I should say a good job, and I should say quite a job, at presenting sin in its best light. For instance, you always see the bikini models and the handsome fellows in the beer commercials. They're always having the time of their life. They don't show you drunkards with broken homes and battered wives and children. They don't show that side. He comes robed as an angel of light. He comes showing the very best possible light can cast it in. We know that when it's finished, it brings forth hurt and death. Sin brings pleasure for a short time. Then it brings hurt, harm, and even death. We do remember that sin is pleasurable, but only for a season. If we're wise, we won't choose sin. Look at verse 26. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. It says he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater. We need to remember it's better to suffer for Christ than to live for the world. It's better to suffer for Christ than to live for the world. Why, preacher? Listen to 1 John 2, 15 and 16. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the father, but is of the world. How about that world system, that world philosophy, living for today, living for ourselves, living for this world and what this world has to offer. God doesn't want us living for this world. He wants to live for him and the world to come. Moses knew what we should know. If we live for Jesus, the world is not going to love you. Let me say it again. If you live for Jesus, I mean, you truly live your life for Jesus. The world is not going to love you. We need to remember it's better to suffer for Christ than to live for this world. We need to remember that sin is pleasurable, but only for a short time. And then look at verse 26 again. We need to remember that as believers, one day we're going to stand before the Lord Jesus to be judged as to rewards. He will reward us for our faithfulness. Verse 26 says, 26 says he had respect to the recompense of the reward. We need to remember that one day as believers, we're going to stand before the Lord Jesus. And he's going to look at our life and our works and he's going to reward us for our faithfulness. And I don't know about you, but I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done. I don't want to hear, why did you waste your life? Are you living for today? Are you living for eternity? Are you living for yourself? Are you living for Jesus? We also remember this in verse 27. Look at 27. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured as seeing him who is invisible. We need to remember, men... We need to remember to keep our eyes on Jesus 
the author and finisher of our faith. It says he saw one who is invisible, the one who is invisible. He saw the Lord. You see, as one put it, Moses' faith was not a blind faith. Ours is not a blind faith. It means that we have spiritual eyesight. We walk by faith and not by sight. We need not fear man. It says he didn't fear the wrath of the king. Listen, if God be for us, who could be against us? Sure, they may harm us. Sure, they may hurt our bodies. I was reminded even this morning that some of our brothers and sisters in Christ are dying for their faith right now. They're dying right now. They're in prison right now. They're being persecuted right now. We're here worshiping in comfortable surroundings. We have brothers and sisters in Christ this very morning, this very moment, who are suffering physical persecution because they love and serve the same Jesus you and I love and serve. But listen, they may harm their bodies. They may kill them. But they are still victorious. You know why? Because they open their eyes and they see the Lord Jesus. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now, I know, beloved, this goes against everything that we've been taught as we've grown up. This goes against the American dream. This goes against the American ideals. This goes against what we've been hammered in our lives for so long to get all you can and save all you can and do all you can and live for this world. Listen, Jesus Christ says, live for me, love me, serve me, find your satisfaction, your fulfillment, your significance in me and knowing me. Don't walk down these dead end roads. Don't try to find significance there. Walk with Jesus down a faith-filled road. As he said, men do not know who they are as men. They tend to define themselves by what they do. By who they know and what they own. I ask you, dear man here today, do you know who you are as a man? Are you a follower of the Lord Jesus? Listen, if you want to drop names, why not drop his name? Why not say, listen, I know the Lord Jesus Christ and I want you to know him, too. How about talking about the fact that, you know, Jesus? Now, I've talked specifically to the men today, but this is applicable to all of us. Do you have the Lord Jesus as your savior? And if you do, is he calling you to refuse some things, to say no to some things today? Is he calling you to choose some things today? And the real question is this as well. Will you remember these most vital truths we've shared today? You see, Moses was the man that he was because he was a man of faith. By faith, he did these things. Moses counted the cost and said, you know what? I don't want Egypt. I don't want the treasures. I don't want the stuff. I want the Lord. You and I have a choice to make today. Who are we going to live our lives for? Ourselves or the Lord Jesus? Who will you choose? Who will you serve? Will your life count for eternity? Let's pray. Father. We love you and praise you. We thank you for Moses. Thank you for his testimony.
Thank you for his faith. Thank you for the challenge that he is to us. Lord, we know that you've called us as believers to a life of sacrifice and service and love and loyalty to the Lord Jesus. Father, this world screams for our attention. It screams for us to buy more, have more, keep more, hoard more. Father, it's so easy to be consumed by what we do and who we know and what we own. Lord, deliver us from that. Help us to realize that life is about Jesus Christ. Life is about honoring and glorifying you. Life is about exalting our heavenly father and our savior, the Lord Jesus. I pray your Holy Spirit to work in hearts and lives today. I pray that if anyone's here that does not know Christ as Savior, they would slip out from where they are and come down to this altar in a moment and allow someone to share the gospel with them. Father, for those of us who do know Christ as Savior, Lord, if you're calling some today to refuse and say no to some things, to maybe clean up their schedules, to clean up their lives from all the stuff, Lord, I pray that you bring them today. For others that you're calling to choose various paths and options, I pray that you'd help them to be submissive today. And Father, I pray finally you'd help us to remember these great truths. To remember that sin is pleasurable, but only for a short time. In the end, it brings hurt, harm, and death. Help us to remember it's better to suffer for Christ and live for the world. Help us to remember we're going to stand before the Lord Jesus and be rewarded according to our faithfulness and our works. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember that it's all about you and not about us. Bless this invitation time, I pray in the Savior's name. Amen.